0: these two episodes that I recorded with my partner, where we talk about our relationship, thought work, what it's like to date a coach, his thoughts about coaching, how thought work shows up in our relationship. We recorded these quite a while ago. And so I'm just excited that they're finally being released. And I think he's excited too, although he may have forgotten that he did this and is gonna be surprised. (laughs) Anyway, what I want to tell you is that I have a free resource for you if relationship anxiety is something that you struggle with, because we certainly talk in this episode about how thought work shows up, or this is like a tense problem. <laughs> it shows up in our relationship, but also it showed up in how we came to this relationship. And so, if you are someone who struggles with relationship anxiety, whether that is around dating, or you're in a relationship and you have a lot of people pleasing and a lot of anxiety about being broken up with or being left or what your partner thinks about you, or you're still in the dating phase and you have a ton of anxiety about finding the person and text messages and when you're going to see the person and what it all means. Or if you have anxiety about any kind of relationship, honestly, because our brains are trained to think that romantic relationships are this super different thing. But in fact, our brains can have anxiety about any relationship, friendships, family relationships, professional relationships, neighbors. I have a lot of brain drama about my neighbors, personally speaking. Maybe you do too. So if you have relationship anxiety about any relationship in your life, then you are going to want to watch my free training on how to solve relationship anxiety. It's called the Relationship Anxiety Solution. So here's how you can get it. You can text your email to plus one three four seven. Nine nine seven one seven eight four. 1784. It's plus one three four seven nine nine seven one seven eight four. And when you get a prompt asking you for the code word, it's just relationship. Or you can go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash relationship. Now listen to me. If you're in the clutch, you don't need this. You have a full in-depth course on romantic and sexual relationships and anxiety that goes along with those. And then you also have a whole in-depth course on friendship and social relationships and social anxiety. Okay. So this is the big picture, you know, bite-sized training that I can do in an hour on a recorded training for those of you who are not in the clutch. If you're in the clutch, you got what you need. Go do one of those modules. (laughs) But if you are not in the clutch and you do not have what you need, then you're going to want to watch this and get some kind of concrete understanding of what is happening within your brain with relationship anxiety and what the secret is to really resolving it. So again, text your email to a plus one, three, four, seven, nine, nine, seven, one, seven, eight, four. And when you're prompted for the code word, it's relationship or go to unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash relationship.
1: Oh, my arms are so itchy already. Oh my god.
0: These are the Outtakes Chickens. Hello, my chickens. We are We are doing a podcast with today, the gentleman consort. This is his first podcast and he has a lot of feelings. So we're going to see how it goes. Let's
1: see how it goes. Let's
0: see how it goes. I asked and got a bunch of questions from you guys on Instagram, some of which were very (laughs) thoughtful and interesting, some of which we didn't totally understand, some of which were inappropriate. And so we're going to be answering the ones that we wanted to answer. So in this episode, we're going to talk about kind of the development of our relationship and some kind of questions about thought work. And we just want to tell you guys, because this is like such a good example of how all the tools come to bear. Before we started recording this, we were looking through the questions. And some of the questions brought up some stuff in our relationship. And (laughs) so we went through a whole process like just 10 minutes ago where he was brainstorming an answer to a question. And then I kind of misheard what he was saying and then my like heart rate spiked and I had a complete stress response and like a fear vigilance response because one of the things that sets me off and a trigger that I work on a lot is like if I think that I've misunderstood something or if it seems like something important I've like gotten wrong or a person didn't communicate clearly to me or like basically anything that makes me feel like the ground under me isn't stable, like I've been – especially if it has to do with being – having a misunderstanding about like the status of a relationship or how somebody feels about a relationship. That's like a very big trigger for me and sets off kind of my own kind of trauma response. And so that happened. And I feel like I almost wish it had happened on while we were recording because it was a perfect example of everything I teach. Like only because of all the work I've done, I had that response, but I didn't freak out. And I asked for clarification. And then he was able to like stay present and connected and explain what he was saying, and then I was able to hear it, and then we were able to realize that like actually we pretty much were on the same page, and nothing was really that different.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, you're presenting it more smoothly. <laughs> <Yeah,
0: sure. laughs> I don't know. I thought that was pretty smooth compared to what could have happened. Oh uh,
1: yeah, yes.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So now you've heard the voice of the gentleman consort. His arms get itchy when he's <laughs> gonna be vulnerable. Okay. So we're just going to answer. We have a bunch of questions for you guys. We're going to kind of answer them. We're going to talk about them. And it's going to be your behind the scenes peek for this week. All right. So we had a question for the gentleman consort, but I'm actually going to answer it first because the question was – we had two questions. One was what was your first impression? And then one was what was your first date? And the gentleman consort does not remember his first impression of me apparently. So I'm going to talk about my first impression of him. He's going to talk about our first date. So my first impression of you – was we met during the pandemic. So we had a video date first. Mm-hmm. And you looked kind of professorial, like you were wearing like a tweed jacket and sitting in front of that brick wall in your apartment. Wow. And so you're just, and like if anybody who is listening who has met him, which is not that many of you, maybe nine of you <laughs> met, the gentleman consort is, it's hard to not use his name, is just very like warm and welcoming. And, you know, I often say like, it's like a very – like a human brain in a golden retriever's personality. <laughs> just like very, very warm and funny and welcoming. And you just sort of people feel at ease when they're around him. And so I felt like we had a really great conversation. We had a really good connection. I was excited about meeting him. <laughs> and then I texted him right afterwards and said like, hey, that was great. You know, I'd love to get that walk we were talking about. And then he didn't text me back for three days. <laughs> and I had a lot of feelings. But then eventually <laughs> – He did text me back, and then we went on a date. And what was our first date? I
1: love the idea that I looked professorial, (laughs) or that I even can look professorial. (laughs) That's terrific. I might actually work on cultivating that now. Thank you. Our first date was just a walk around. We were in Central Park, and the date went terrifically well, I thought. I probably talked too much about playgrounds.
0: uh, (laughs) There was a lot of (laughs) playground talk.
1: (laughs) I make a mental note every time I see a playground anywhere. Because he has children, just for those of you. That would sound
0: really weird and creepy otherwise. He has two young children.
1: (laughs) But the date went, I thought, terrifically well. And I liked her right from the start. But Why did you like me? It has been... Well, I mean, our conversation was very easy. There was something about meeting you where I felt almost immediately like I was just chatting to somebody who I had known a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure... I'm not sure if that was me desperately wanting to have that or if that's just some uh, like a natural ability of yours. I'm not really sure where that came from, but it, it felt like I knew you right away, mm. which was terrific. I, non-professorially, I wore a sweater, apparently, which smelled <laughs> deeply of mildew, which I didn't care. <laughs> I found out about this later. Rightly embarrassed about it. But
0: you guys, I don't want the perfectionists listening to this. I want you to hear this. Like, don't freak out if one thing on a date isn't perfect or you don't show up perfectly. He didn't text me back for three days after the first call. He wore a mildew sweater on the date. And we haven't even gotten to how he said goodbye at the end of the date. Yeah,
1: let's not bother saying one thing went wrong. (laughs) No, the, the date was terrific. We had a great time. We talked. We walked around a little lake. And then at the end of the date, thinking things had gone really well, I signed off exactly the way it made (laughs) sense by chucking her on the shoulder, basically, and saying, well, nice to meet you, dude. Turning around and getting on the train and heading back to Brooklyn.
0: That is what happened. I actually think it might have been an elbow bump because it was during the pandemic. So he was very out of practice. I was.
1: Yeah. This was one of my first dates after separating from a past relationship. And I was not practiced data at that point
0: (laughs) so he gave me like an elbow bump but then what i remember is i had this really like i didn't have thoughts on the date of like this is my partner and this i didn't feel like oh my god the heavens i liked the date he was cute it felt like a good date i'd gone on a million first dates like it was like you know optimistic but i didn't have some kind of thunderbolt experience on the date but then when we had this weird goodbye because we left out the part about how after an hour at 7 p.m you're like well gotta go home and get ready for the kids tomorrow afternoon, which felt like I had assumed was like a brush off. And I felt this like very intense, like energetic sinking feeling on the ride home that just felt like disproportionate. I mean, for sure, I had a lot of dating drama and I was, you know, working on that a lot. I had been working with coaches on it. It had gotten a lot better. I had made a lot of progress. And I knew that like sometimes, you know, after you go on a first date, if it like doesn't work out, you can feel kind of a little disappointed or a little down. It's like, you know, okay, it wasn't that person, next one. But I, that stands out to me. Like, I don't feel like I knew that we were going to be these kinds of partners. And I don't think it was for Dane that we were. We both done a lot of work on it. But I do remember that there was just like, like I had this like disproportionately, it's, it wasn't even like an emotion I can name. It wasn't exactly sad. It It just felt like all the energy had drained out of my body. Because that goodbye seemed so weird. You it was know? awkward. Yeah. But it wasn't because the thing was awkward. It was like because there was something about my experience of you had like created some kind of energy or emotional connection that then I felt like this disproportionate kind of feeling when I thought the date had not gone well, apparently, because this was the goodbye. But then by the time I got home, basically, yeah. you'd sent me a-
1: I had sent a text. I think there are, there are at least two, three, four, I don't know, half a dozen things that happened in our relationship – very early on that sort of kept the ship off the rocks just in the last <laughs> second. But uh,
0: that is like such a testament to two things. It's to like communication because it was yeah. almost always saved by you sending me a very like thoughtful and like, like a very thoughtful, transparent and like text of being like, whatever happened, like I really like you. I want to get to know you. I think this can be good for – like you were just – you just put it all out there. There was no game playing. There was no like – Playing it cool, like I think that you. Oh no,
1: yeah, I was smitten with you right away, and I was not <laughs> playing it cool. I Thank may goodness. have been terrible at texting and communicating, and that's something you know we ended up having to work on over the next I don't know eighteen months. <laughs> but I was not remotely playing it cool. I had not intended to meet somebody that I liked that much right away, but I I absolutely did. Like right from this, I sent you the basically a mash note as a text after <laughs> after I did.
0: Yeah. And I think – but I – so both like it was saved by your communication, but also I had done so much work like part of my pattern previously because – and so like a lot of you are going to recognize yourself in this is that when you believe that like there's something wrong with you, you can't get your relationships right, you don't feel good about yourself in relationships, you know, when you have like a lot of thought work challenges around relationships – What happens is that you can go one of two ways. You either can become someone who will sort of take any and accept any kind of treatment in any kind of relationship because you're just so desperate for love and acceptance. Or you can do what happened to me, which is I tended to go this other direction where, you know, I couldn't see it at the time. At the time, I thought I was like really open-minded and willing to date anyone and like really just want to find a partner. And I was really emotionally available. But actually, because I was constantly on the lookout for like – you know, anything going wrong, because I was like, so hyper vigilant about things not working out. I just would not have been able to be open to like, if I hadn't done the work I'd done any of those things would have kind of closed me off. Or like, I wouldn't have been able to be like, okay, Like, I had to do so much work on, like, it's okay and safe to feel disappointed. (laughs) Like It was really mind-blowing to me when I finally figured out through coaching that feeling disappointed doesn't actually mean that something terrible has happened and gone wrong and that you therefore can't rely on someone or that they can't meet you emotionally. Because, like, my previous experience and my kind of patterning was that people couldn't show up consistently emotionally in a reasonable way. And so – Any human is going to sometimes not be able to. It's like a proportion issue. But I think for me, I had to have done all of that work to be able to like tolerate some of those ups and downs and disappointments of early dating, which also I was creating my own disappointment with my thoughts and often completely overinterpreting things. So it's not even like you were disappointing me. It's just I had not previously had the stability to like weather bumps, much less that you were like, you know, separated and had two kids and I wasn't looking for children. I mean, there were like a whole host of things. That I wouldn't have been open to before. Our various hurdles, yeah. Yeah, although I think in a classic way, there was a little bit of like, oh, this isn't going to be a serious thing, so I don't have to be so Mm -hmm. uptight about it. And then there we
1: were. It's also, I mean, this is not exactly answering the question, but, you know, we've discussed there are a number of things about how I conduct Mm -hmm. myself. And I think I'm lucky that I met you when I did. Mm. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, in, in earlier years, you would not have put up with some of the...
0: Yeah, some of your feral raccoon you know, tendencies.
1: Raccooning <laughs> habits, my, What do you call it? golden retriever style of love?
0: <laughs> I still have trouble with it, but I've been working on receiving it more. One of the things we still work on is like that you come home very excited to see me. And then I have trouble like receiving that amount of excitement and affection right away and so like i'm trying to work on growing my capacity to like meet that
1: and i'm trying to understand that when i come home excited to see her and she's like hi <laughs> It it doesn't mean I'm in trouble. It doesn't mean she doesn't love me.
0: No. I mean, to be fair, sometimes I'm in the middle of doing something. So part of what you might be learning is like, sometimes people are in the middle of doing things. And just because you show up with a lot of excitement in that moment doesn't mean that they can automatically be like, let me turn off the part of my brain that is three quarters of the way through a budget calculation. Mm -hmm. To create excitement right away.
1: Yeah, I'll say that I understand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As you can hear, there are things in our relationship that we don't always totally work through. We just let some of them go. So, okay. So, one of the things we got asked that I think falls on that is sort of where were you at mentally and emotionally when you met? And then, like, how have you grown, you know, individually or as a couple? So, do you want to start with that? I think
1: that's an easier one for me. I had just separated just a few months before we met. So, this was sort of very early in the dating process, I was still, I mean, I don't know, working through, you know, how I felt about my separation, working through about how I felt about sort of setting up my new life. And I think, like I said earlier, I was not really thinking, hey, I'm looking to date somebody who I intend to marry, you know, (laughs) over the next week. I was, I was ready to meet a lot of people and not take things too seriously for a little while. And then I happened. And then you (laughs) happened. Yeah. I don't know, were you – I'm trying to think emotionally and mentally. Where
0: I was. Well, I think I just talked a lot about that. Like, I had been doing a lot of work on my relationship stuff. And I'd had this, like, moment – it actually happened right after we met. Because remember, I went away from my – we met, like, the end of March. The end of April, I went upstate for my birthday. And I had this, like, big breakthrough around that I was, like – constant that I had been so fixated on looking for the specific kind of love and relationship in my life as though – different types of love were sort of so different and it was going to be a completely different experience, like that it was sort of so distinct from like friendship love or family love or mentor love or whatever. And then I had this breakthrough that like there was already so much love in my life that I was sort of ignoring because I was so fixated on finding this. It's like if I had I had like 10 apples at home and I was like, well, if I just find this one slightly different variety of apple, that's going to change my whole life. So – I had that big breakthrough, like three or four weeks into us dating, not really because of you, mostly because of like all the work I'd been doing. So I think that like, was one of the reasons I was able to have more resilience, be more open, be more open to the fact that you were like, a lot of what I had wanted in terms of characteristics, but like in life situation not what I had been looking for. I had not been you know, I had been looking for like somebody who had no kids and was like location flexible and like, you know, like single, no kids and could live anywhere in the world. And instead I found somebody who was
1: an old guy who was a government (laughs) attorney with (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> just like the most fixed constraint schedule in the world like it has to go to an office nine to five every day has a bi-weekly you know i always forget bi-weekly like every week has two children under the age of 10 for several days of the week so you can't go anywhere for more than three days at a time like so i think i all that work was really required for me to be open to this different connection so how do you feel like we've grown as a couple
1: Well, this one, we actually talked about this one just before we began, and I thought it was going to be awkward because I feel like I have changed so much during our relationship that it almost doesn't apply to you. That it's just, this has all been about my growth. But I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure this is one of those situations where I'm just reading.
0: Yeah, I'll talk about mine first afterwards, but you go first.
1: I mean, I am from the Midwest, and, you know, we're not going to get into exactly how my family and I lived our emotional (laughs) lives, but they're to say my family and I had emotional alliances would be tricky. (laughs) So hooking up with a like Jedi level life coach who is, you know, wants to not have any emotions or feelings that aren't immediately expressed and dissected (laughs) took a long time. And we actually had some, you know, near relationship ending issues when we would get into emotional conversations and I would actually just reach this literally just reach like a mental breakdown and go into an almost catatonic state because I just couldn't figure out how to deal with and respond to Mm -hmm. the amount of openness that seemed to be demanded (laughs) in this relationship. I loved the relationship. I just, I couldn't function and I would literally shut down. This isn't a metaphor.
0: No, he would have a freeze nervous system reaction, like just like a, like an autonomic shutdown in his body. And he would not be able to really articulate things. His brain would kind of slow down. Like you could see the whole nervous system shutdown happening.
1: One of the numerous situations along the way that could have imperiled our relationships. That's true. I, I think your thought about it afterwards was, "Uh oh, what have I gotten into?"
0: <laughs> just what, after what, the first one, Then I kind what's of. What's wrong
1: with this broken romantic? <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that is not what I thought, but definitely I did freak out about the first one. That's another example of a place of having like done enough work to be like, "Okay, wait, let me like try to figure out what's going on," and not just be like, "Well, he does this, so it'll be this way forever." Because as it's turned out, it's not been that way forever. Like yeah. we've both done a bunch
1: of work well, on it. Well, and it was hard because you wanted to know what had happened and I just didn't have answers for you. Right. I didn't know. I had just never really been confronted with, you know, situations where sort of this level of openness and honesty was going to be expected in a relationship. And I would have not assumed that I had like an inability to deal with emotional (laughs) things that I wouldn't have thought that I was somebody who would suddenly just feel like this paralysis over the idea of talking about emotions. But yeah, surprise, there it was. But yes, no, that's a...
0: And so where do you feel like you are now with that? Like, I think there's been a lot of growth.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is... Why I feel like how you've grown as a couple is almost more of a question for me is I feel like I've made such massive changes in that you we've joked about how there's sort of the idea that you have to assume you can't change somebody mm. you're dating somehow or another. you've managed to change me an awful lot, right
0: <laughs> but I think you were ready for change like yeah. one of the questions we got some of the questions were like, how can I make my partner x y z you can't do that like you came to me, I think, and you know in a place of like okay, I want to try living my life in a different way. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the one thing that was consistent in all of the relationships I had had over the last 50 years is they had all ended, and most of them <laughs> badly. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I, I was obviously ready to, you know, if there was another way, I was interested in trying to find it and trying to live it. So I was definitely open and receptive to the idea of, you know, setting these things up in another way than I had.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, one of the things that I realized early on, and I didn't articulate it until later, but when I think about like, I've definitely dated people before who had kind of shut down reactions to emotions, which is like common, especially the way men are socialized, to just like shove down their emotions and not have them. And I hadn't really tried to like invest all the time and energy into like trying to work that out with them. But you were so in touch with your positive emotion that I just felt like hey, this person has a very kind of – It was like your emotions were actually pretty close to the surface. It's just that like you hadn't learned ever, how, hadn't been taught ever how to like connect to and deal with the negative ones. But it was sort of like very – I dated people where it was like they were just emotionally shut down overall. That's very different from like with you. I was like, well, his – first of all, I can tell when he's having a negative emotion. It's actually quite on the surface. It's just that he's – Kind of got a shutdown from it himself. And also, your positive emotions were very on the surface. So it was like, it's all there. It's just, I don't know, it felt almost like it was like finding a diamond in the rough a little bit. It was sort of like, I th- if this person wants to, I think they could develop actually a pretty deep level of and facility for like the kind of life that I want to have, which is very self interrogated and like, you know, we all have blind spots. So I don't mean like we're all so self aware, but just. Thoughtful, just like intentional and thoughtful and
1: reflective. Um, well, and as a distinction, I wasn't somebody who was unemotional. I was right. just somebody who did not ever bother to examine, pay attention to, or have any real interest in uh, in my emotions.
0: Yeah, it's like you were—you ha- would have really strong negative emotions, but your coping mechanism was just like shut down, ignore it, till eventually yeah. it passes. That's and then, not
1: happening. What's the thing I can do instead?
0: Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, we did a lot of like, we're not going to take any actions. We're going to talk about our feelings. We had a very memorable fight in a car in a parking lot in California <laughs> during oh which
1: God. it was not just in the parking <laughs> lot that went on for a while. <laughs> a lot of things that have happened in our relationships that are meaningful have happened in cars while on trips.
0: I will say for those of you who have, this is a real thing. Like people, especially the way that men are socialized. I think sometimes when you try to have a conversation face-to-face, it can activate like more of a threat response. It's like a predator-prey kind of thing. If you have a conversation where you are both looking forward or looking in a different direction, so like you're walking, you're driving, whatever, it actually really can help your brain relax. And I think especially for you, having something else you're doing while we're having the conversation is helpful. But that's true for anybody. Like if you have trouble with communication because one of you – Gets really stressed out by it or shuts down by it or gets kind of feels aggressive about it, whatever. Try having conversations. I mean, you had to do the emotional work too. It doesn't work to be driving and scream at your partner and expect a good response, (laughs) but walking, sitting next to each other, but looking out at something instead of at each other, driving can help. But anyway, the point of that story was you know, we worked through this like that was when we were working through this whole thing of like, acknowledging emotions, even if you're not going to change your behavior, is still important.
1: This is super true, though, the idea of the extra task. I feel like, like if we were fighting in the kitchen, Oops. my impulse would be to start washing the dishes so that I had something else I was doing while we had the conversation. Yeah. I think even subconsciously, I know that that, that, that helps yeah, you. That
0: helps yeah. yeah. And I think that depends on you know people's brains work different ways. And some people are more distractible than others. And it's helpful to have a thing that they're
1: kind of focused on. Well, and we both know I'm not distracted. Never, never. Yeah.
0: I I, like, I don't feel better with an activity and I've had to learn actually, but this has been part of my learning with you. Like we've adapted to each other is like, oh, when he needs to do a thing while we're talking in the beginning, I would take that as meaning, like you weren't going to have the conversation. You were trying to ignore me or whatever. And now I'm like, oh, no, he will be better able to have this conversation if, if I, like, let him put together
1: an Ikea cabinet
0: while we're doing
1: it well, I, or I, whatever. I, I'm handy and from the Midwest. Yes.
0: If we had
1: a radio arm saw in the basement, I would want to have all of our emotional conversations while I was you know, lining up the drill press. Or-
0: uh-huh. So I already talked a bunch about how I grew as a couple, but I will just say that, like, I think for me it's been more variations on that theme, like learning to be more receptive, learning to be more – open learning to be able to tolerate disappointment and not make that mean something about the relationship that's everybody gets disappointed it's not that you've disappointed me you've exceeded my expectations in so many ways the
1: way that I've grown in this oh is by learning to be deal with disappointment
0: it is first of all our brains create disappointment. When I feel disappointed, I am disappointing myself <laughs> because I had, I made up an expectation. I think this is a real thing that doesn't get talked about enough in people who have relationship problems. The inability to tolerate disappointment because your nervous system and your history and your wiring make it feel like it feels like being like a small child whose like physical needs aren't being met. And so there's like this huge threat response to it. It has actually nothing to do with, like, you actually disappointing me or you doing anything disappointing. It can be, like, not getting a text back in the time that I thought I wanted one when, like, you've done nothing wrong. It's not about that. But I want – I'm, like, this is serious and I want my everybody listening to hear this because if you are somebody who struggles with intimacy or has trouble in relationships and has a lot of anxiety, that ability to tolerate, like, feeling disappointed or feeling sad or feeling rejected – which is like something that I know we all struggle with sometimes It's like tolerating feeling rejected. It's the same thing. Like that disappointment is like really a feeling of like rejection or a need not being met. And if you have, you know, history or wiring or whatever that makes you very susceptible to that, it's a real thing. Like learning to be able to have that emotional experience and not make it mean something about the relationship. Hmm. Because what I used to do would be like I'd be super into somebody, but then the first time I felt rejected or disappointed, then in my brain that meant there's something wrong with this relationship. It's not going to be good. It can't be – like it's like an all or nothing thinking. Yeah. And it's completely normal in any relationship that you are going to basically disappoint yourself with your own expectations or thoughts, and then the other person isn't always going to meet them.
1: I'm just – I'm glad I gave you so many opportunities.
0: Okay. This is not (laughs) – this is really
1: this
0: this field. is really not the takeaway here honey
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right chickens that was part one of questions that you had for the gentleman consort and i this episode was getting really long so we cut it into two parts and next week we're gonna be talking about some of the more unusual aspects of our relationship so tune in for the rest of it If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is the podcast community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying the concepts to your own life. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me, It's my favorite place on earth and it will change your life. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. That's unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I can't wait to see you there.